Hello, good evening and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme we go kite surfing off the East Coast and we hear about a drive to get a new sail training vessel for Ireland. A commitment to acquiring a new sail training vessel to replace the Asgard has been in the last two programmes for government. The Atlantic Youth Trust has been to the forefront of efforts to get a new ship and now they've identified a vessel, a 164-foot schooner in Sweden. The purchase price would be funded by philanthropic sources but it needs the national lottery funding, which had been going to the Asgard, to be brought forward to this new vessel to help with the operations. The budget is next Tuesday and the Atlantic Youth Trust has submitted a detailed pre-budget submission for government on this new ship. Comer Gerberers is the head of the National Maritime College and a member of the Atlantic Youth Trust. I asked him today what they were hoping for with this new vessel. So, Fergal, um, I, I suppose really the, the best way to answer that question is, is, is to describe to you what we lost back in 2008 when, when Ascar 2 unfortunately um, um, foundered off, off the northwest coast of France. Um, you know, Ascar 2 really provided... Um, us with 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 three incredibly important things and the first was it was a key means to draw young people into the maritime professions and so you know young people used to see this amazing ship and you know sailing around the irish coast overseas being crewed by people not much older than themselves and and for young irish people and and people living in ireland who who had an interest in the sea and it was something to aim for you know it, it was a kind of an intermediate step where they could they could you know strive to 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 go on and be a trainee on the Asgard, and that would very often you know just just solidify their interest in in going to sea as a, as a career as a profession, and then of course they would move on and and you know ultimately um, um, end up with the National Maritime College to train as a as a professional mariner and 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 to go to go into the maritime professions, mm-hmm. and that that was a hugely hugely important piece, and and we've noticed the lack of that because you know we 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 haven't seen quite the same numbers coming into the profession as as historically and i you know firmly put that uh, down to the lack of a national sail training vessel really okay. um, the second thing is yeah the, the, the second thing it used to offer us Fergal, was was once the the students arrived in nmci and started their their maritime education and training we used to be able to take them to sea on 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 the ship and and give them exposure to what it's like to go to sea you know, on a larger seagoing vessel to work as part of a professional crew and, you know, to get into things like, you know, uh, 24 hour watch keeping rotas and and all of those kinds of experiences and and indeed skills, which are so, so important if you're going to become a professional mariner. And what it did is it provided a huge, um, 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 you know, advantage to Irish um, um, seagoing cadets when they then went to interview to go to sea with, 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 with shipping companies and, and, you know, it, they were very well served then they would start their okay. sea time. And, and the last kind of piece of the puzzle for us has always been that, that um, the, the, the time that the, the cadets would spend on, on, this, on the, the, the sail training vessel counted to some extent towards their compulsory sea time, which is required under international regulation for their professional qualifications. So it was always helpful in terms of giving them a start. And the option was always there, you know, for whatever reason, we had a cadet who needed to close out a bit of sea time and there were extenuating circumstances if the cadet had had some challenges or whatever else. You know, there was always the option there 
to support them in terms of closing out their sea time with the vessel. So all of that stopped very abruptly in 2008. And, and you know, we've really missed it. We've missed all of these things. And, and you know, from from NMCI's perspective, from the perspective of, of, of you know, the next generation, future generations, and constantly bringing in um, new people into the maritime uh, professions, you know, we really, really need um, um, to have a national sail training vessel again. And the issue with the national sail training vessels that you don't have to have a background in sailing of any kind. If you just think you might like a career or something like this, you can go and try it out. This is the thing. And, and, and you know, it's it's that exposure. I mean, you know, again, I, 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 I often talk about this. You know, my interest in the sea started when I was maybe 9, 10 or 11 years old. Back in those days, which is a few years ago, ago now, Fergal, you know, there were opportunities to get some exposure to commercial shipping to 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 you know the 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 deep sea shipping stuff because of you know changes and things like insurance and everything else now it's not possible to do that anymore and a sail training vessel provides a critical way as you say for somebody who think they might be interested to go and get a feel for what it's actually like and it's important to make a distinction here you know we're incredibly fortunate in ireland that over the last 25 years or so there's been a huge increase in awareness around you know the marine and, and, and maritime and our seagoing environment and our island status and so on and there are more opportunities than ever for people to 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 get out on the water so for example there's fantastic work done by the irish sailing association and 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 the irish water safety and so many other great organizations like that but the thing is professional seafaring the maritime professions it's somewhat different and at the moment there's no opportunity for for young people who think they might have an interest to go as you say and try it out and and that's really one of the fundamental you know um, um advantages of, of having you know a seagoing ship of this nature so there, there is a sail training vessel in ireland at the moment is run by the national sail training organization but if people want to try things out before they come to you what are they doing at the moment young people well they, they have no options really for this is the thing and um, because you know as i say back in the day you sometimes, you know, it used to be possible that there were some um, um, companies in Ireland were really, really good. They they would they would give a, you know a young person maybe a couple of weeks on a ship or something. But unfortunately, that just isn't possible anymore because of things like insurance and so on. So you know the problem at the moment is you know if if an interest, as I said, develops around eight, nine, ten, eleven years of age, they have to wait an awful long time, a lifetime, to a young person, you know, to get to leaving cert or to get to the end of their their secondary school education before they can start, you know, with the National Maritime College of Ireland. So there's a huge gap there. And of course, inevitably, you know, some of them look at it and go and they they, they, they end up doing other things. And, and, and you know, we, we have seen this in that we, we, we don't have, you know, there has been a reduction in numbers. And I put it down very, very firmly to the fact that there aren't those opportunities for young people to try out, you know, professional seafaring, to try out seagoing on larger ships because it is quite a different experience to you know to sailing on a smaller boat and so on. I had the opportunity to visit you in the National Maritime College just before all of the lockdowns and you had a jobs fair there. There are fantastic careers at sea for people. There are and I mean you know just just to give people an insight um, you know the people who graduate from the National Maritime College they're the maritime professionals who crew Irish, European and international ships of all types all over the world they operate Ireland's ports and they, they fill key roles in Irish, EU and international supply chain and logistics operations. They're the backbone of, of, of Ireland's um, um, maritime emergency services, the Coast Guard and so on. 
they fulfill, you know, key marketing regulatory functions within the state. The list goes on. There's a really diverse array of of, of seagoing and shore-based careers there for young people. And, and, you know, just to mention, because it's hugely, hugely important now, um, you know, one of the principal um, um, tools that, that Ireland is deploying um, in, in our battle to, to decarbonise the Irish economy, part of our climate change mitigation um, um, activities is offshore renewable energy. And that is going to offer a huge number of new career opportunities for people who, who, who get into, you know, who want to go to sea, who want to get into the maritime professions, who want to work, you know, uh, 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 you know off our coasts and so on. So we're hugely excited about that. It just adds another reason why we need um you know a sail training vessel again because we're going to need significantly increased numbers of 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 young adults coming in to the maritime professions and um, if we're going to meet um the, the the needs of the emerging offshore renewable energy sector and that sector is coming at us really really fast now so we really need to ramp up our recruitment into the maritime professions when we talk about careers at sea, we're talking about people who might be commanders, navigators of these ships. It's a very highly skilled, highly paid job. It is. It's, it's a wonderful career. Now, look, it's not for everyone. You know, we, we often talk about seafaring as a vocation and it is. It's either right for a person or it's not. But for those for whom it's right, it is a wonderful career. And um, it's hugely satisfying in terms of the job that you do, whether you are, a, you know, a, a, a navigation officer and ultimately a ship's captain, whether you are a, a marine engineer, an electrotechnical officer and marine engineers go on to become become chief engineers on ships. But the seagoing piece, you know, does is not the entirety of, of of the opportunity some people you know choose to remain at sea because it's a wonderful life it's a wonderful career it pays incredibly well and um, you know the work-life balance is really really good nowadays and um, you get to travel the world um, and and see things that very very few other people get to see and um, but then you know you don't have to stay at sea there are just so many wonderful opportunities for people ashore and um, you know I ended up in, 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 in education. Don't quite ask me how that happened, but that's the nature of, of, of maritime professions. There's great diversity out there and, and great careers for people. And, and, you know, to see young people coming through NMCI every year and to see them grow into, you know, into professionals, to see the way they respond, to see how highly, um, um, you know, Irish seafarers and Irish maritime professionals are recognised around the world. And they really, really are um, um, highly sought after. Cormac Gerberers of the National Maritime College. Now, as I mentioned, we do have a sail training vessel in Ireland. It's run by the charity Sail Training Ireland. And they've just announced that they are to resume voyages next year after a two-year gap. They have spaces for 400 young people on 29 voyages. Booking is through sailtrainingireland.com. Breed Barrett is the director of the Rona Project in the UK. They run three ocean-going sail training vessels and have 300 volunteers. She told me what sail training gives to young people. So I have been uh, working in sail training for seven years with the Rona Sailing Project um, as the director of the organisation. Prior to that, I worked at sea for a number of seasons on traditional vessels in the West Country, down in Plymouth. And so from my experience, I can see, um, particularly amongst the young people and maybe um, more vulnerable young people, um, the, 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 the difference in a young person is incredible over the, over the space of a week. You can see um, uh, my own personal experience is that often they come, they're nervous, they don't know what to expect. And by the end of the week, they're, they're, they're changing in front of your eyes and um, they're, given, they're given responsibility 
um, we're, we're teaching them new skills, they're making new friends. And the most important thing about it is that they're being challenged, they're being pushed from the, out of their comfort zone, they're being challenged and they're getting a huge amount from it. Um, here in the UK, SAIL training has a massive amount of support. There's something in the region of more than 30 organisations involved in SAIL training and there's massive amount of support there for it because we recognise the value of it for the development of young people but also the therapeutic value for adults as well. Tell me something about the Rona project. So the Rona Sailing Project, we are the one of the we are the biggest uh, volunteer-based sail training organisation in the United Kingdom, and we are 62 years old. Um, we're, comp- we're, as I said, we're a volunteer-based organisation, which means that nobody gets paid to go to sea. So all of our skippers, our mates, and all the rest of our, what we call our afterguard, they all have the, uh, the, the requisite qualifications. So some of them, for example, uh, come from the maritime world anyway. Um, and so they come, they give of a week, they, give their, they, give, they volunteer their time with us, they sail with young people for a week. Would that kind of sail training programme work here in Ireland? I think it would. Um, as I said, there's a, there's a huge amount of uh, support here for sail training in the UK. And, and when I say support, not only are people prepared to give up their time and their energy, they're also prepared to pay for it. Um, so if there's a young person who can, who can uh, get some benefit from sail training, there's always somebody there here in the UK that, can, that, that is, is willing to pay for that young person. Um, so I genuinely believe that what is happening here in the UK can certainly take off in Ireland. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a it's a big loss to Ireland that we don't have um, a, a national sail training vessel such as the Asgard. So that's a massive loss to Ireland, I think. Um, but certainly, in my experience here, since I've been with the Rona Sailing Project, I've been engaging with um, as many actors within sail training um, in Ireland as I could. So, for example, with Sail Training Ireland. So I've been uh, I have close connections with them. So we share information um, and we work together um, wherever wherever possible. And we have over the years had groups of young people from Ireland coming over here to the UK and I know there are a number of uh, UK vessel operators that um, are working with sail training far more closely than uh, with sail training Ireland far more closely than we are so there's definitely an appetite there there's definitely a market and there's absolutely a benefit particularly now after Covid with the amount of with the stress and the trauma that a lot of people would have gone through that going out on the water um, you know finding a different perspective learning new skills meeting new people and gaining in confidence is is incredible for mental health for well-being and i think that it is definitely the time in ireland to start um to, to focusing to focus on this a little bit more um, and to build it up and take advantage of the timing right now if somebody doesn't have a background in sailing or boating of any kind and maybe they don't have the finances to support themselves to take a sail training course like this your experience in the uk is that there are many people willing to sponsor that Absolutely. So we, for example, at, the, at, at Rona, we have, um, so it would on average cost us six or cost £600 on average to take a young person to sea. But we pass on a cost of, of uh, £200 on average for that week because through our own fundraising and our own donations and our own support, we can absorb two thirds of the cost. And similarly, even with that £200, we recognise that, that for a week, even though it is good value, that it is hard to come by for some people, that £200. So then we have another bursary fund which we can tap into um, whereby we ask, we ask the young person to pay whatever it is they can. Sometimes it's £5, sometimes it's 10 sometimes it's 100 And we ask a donor or supporter to, to pay the balance. And we never fail to, to, to secure that support for, for young people who need it. Thanks to Breed Barrett 
and many people will be looking to the budget on Tuesday to see if that programme for government commitment is honoured. Over the winter months, you'll be able to see kite surfers out and about on the sea right around the coast. Kite surfing is still a relatively new way to take to the water. It looks spectacular and athletic, especially in high winds and even in storms. Connor Sweetman has been finding out more about it. My name is Owen Kernan and I am a water sports fanatic. So we're on the beautiful hole in the wall or Burrow Beach. It's a lovely little, I'm going to still use the word hidden beach, although a lot more people have found it in, in the last couple of years. As you look out, you see Lambay Island, you see Ireland's Eye, and over to the left, you see Port Marnock. I got into kite surfing a few years back, probably about four or five years ago now when I first moved to this location um, I've always been involved in water I've sailed since I was a, a you know, knee high to a grasshopper in fact out around here out in, uh, my granddad had a boat in Holt and uh, that was where he used to do all our sailing from and then I became a competitive swimmer for a good few years and at the same time did a little bit of open water swimming did some kayaking but then when we moved to Dublin and moved to the city centre water I suppose left my life for a little while but when we moved to here uh, water reappeared in my life very quickly i saw these lads out on on the water after i moved here every kind of odd windy day and they had these big colorful things up in the air i'd never seen the sport before never even no idea what it was but it looked really really interesting and to see these you know these guys and girls flying along the top of the water no engines just on a board and with a big kite in the air using the power of the wind was something that really attracted me i love the idea of you know, using the wind. When I used to sail, one of the one of the most enjoyable things for me was after you'd leave your harbour or wherever you're coming out from and the sails would go up and you'd turn off the engine and all of a sudden you'd have silence and just you and the wind. So the idea of going out on the water connected to a kite to do the same thing was, was enthralling. So what are we looking at here? Uh, so basically this is all the kite surfing gear boards through to kites through to bars wetsuits and all of the extra little bits and pieces that we need as well we go from left to right will we so we have the wetsuit so the wetsuit i suppose is 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 the key thing to allow us to kite right throughout the year um we thankfully in ireland can kite summer through winter the thing i suppose you to be careful of is that you make sure that you maintain your heat while you're out in the water particularly if you have a problem while you're out there and the last thing you want to do is be spending half an hour in the water trying to sort out a kite in lines in a wetsuit that isn't keeping you warm and this particular wetsuit is a summer wetsuit but you can get much thicker ones which would allow you to go out in the winter time as well ironically they're all colored black generally because that retains heat and absorbs more heat but unfortunately when you're out in the water then uh, it's harder to see um, if you do get in trouble so sometimes you'll see people and they would be wearing all sorts of flouncy colors and fancy colors t-shirts um, shorts and stuff over them to be able to be seen as well you know so I went online and I figured out what this was all about. I didn't. I was too scared to go and talk to anyone on the beach, to be honest. I, <laughs> I, I, I had no idea who these people were. Um, so I went online, did a little bit of research and discovered that you could go and learn this. You know, you could go and learn the sport. So I went and did some lessons with, I suppose, the guys who are the key drivers of the sport in Ireland, a company or a, a shop called Pure Magic in Clontarf. And Francois, Catherine and, and the team in there they really have driven kite surfing in Ireland over the years. They've brought it up from leaps and, in leaps and bounds. So the lessons take, it's about 12 hours worth of instruction. And then you're kind of left to your own devices after that, really. 
we've got two different types of boards. Um, I'll start with this board first, which is essentially the more common one that you'll see. It's called a twin tip board. The way this board works is you can ride it in either direction and you don't have to swap it around. Um, so you'll see on the left-hand side of the board and the right-hand side of the board, it's exactly the same. And if I turn it over, you'll see that it's exactly the same on the underneath as well. Two fins on the left and two fins on the right. So the idea being that depending on which tack I'm going on, so whether I'm going to my right or to my left, I, can, I don't have to swap the board around. The board works in the same, same direction. The difference being the board on the left then, which is a directional board. And the idea is that this board is more like a surfboard. Um, so you would use this more in the waves. And the idea being that you can move around a lot more on the board. So you can walk around the board a lot more as you're kiting. Um, so it allows you to maneuver it in different ways. It also allows you to ride in lighter winds um, so you'll find that these slightly you'll see that there's a difference in the size of the two boards as well the, the directional board is a larger board um, and allows you to get out in lighter winds with a bigger kite um, and just allows a different riding style the moment that i knew i was hooked was the first time that i got a proper decent long ride across the water it was in Ackle, and there's a lake called Keel Lake, and that lake is magical. You're, you've got this quite large hill behind a sleeve more um, hill just behind it, and it's a lovely flat water, freshwater lake with lovely conditions. There's a particular gentleman, uh, Colin Murphy. He's a stalwart of the, of, of the community, himself and a few others, and he was there that day, and... I was a bit nervous going out. I didn't really know. I hadn't kited there before. wasn't quite sure. And he gave me a couple of pointers and he stood at the side of the lake. And he said, try this, try that. It didn't work the first couple of times. And then it worked. And I got up and I maybe only rode about 50 metres, 100 metres. But it was that feeling of, oh yeah, now I'm up. I can see a bit of wake coming off the back of my board. And yeah, I'm moving forward. And I'm not looking like a twat. <laughs> you know? And honestly, it was amazing. So I'll start, I'll just show you the kite first. Um, I won't pull it all out because it's quite big. Um, it's, you know, these can get up to, they generally range from about six or seven metres squared up to 20 metres squared. There's a wide size range when it comes to these kites. The reason being that every every wind speed um, requires a different kite you wouldn't go out in a massive kite in big strong winds you'd want a smaller kite so you you use a kite appropriate to the wind speed uh, you get carried away exactly yeah. yeah you'll get pulled away you'll have much too, you'll have far too much power um, so what you want to do is you want to match your kites your kite size to the wind speed that's there on any given day sometimes that'll change sometimes you'll have to come in off the water maybe um, inflate a different kite or use a different kite um, if the wind has dropped or the wind has picked up but the last thing you want to do generally is to be overpowered or underpowered it's better to be underpowered than overpowered but you want to try and find a kite that's appropriate to the wind what does it mean to go wind hunting wind hunting so so wind hunting is i suppose a phrase that you might hear used in the kiting community where look we need wind to kite if we don't have wind, we can't go out. And I suppose nature can throw some good days at you, it can throw some bad days at you. It's all about the forecast. And God, if you ask any kiter what's the most common thing they do, and they'll say it's check the forecast. Um, so sometimes if the wind isn't coming in in your local spot, you'll go hunting for it somewhere else. And that might mean that you'll travel to Sligo or you'll travel to uh, Wexford or you'll travel to Ackle, for example. I know some lads who today are driving from Dublin to Ackle just to go for a session in Ackle because the wind is there. Um, that's a four-hour drive. 
to get from Dublin to Achill. And then they're going to hope that the wind is there when they get there. Now the forecasts are telling them it's there, um, but they're going to hope that it's there. And then they're going to drive home this evening. What's the feeling? You know, like when you're like five minutes away, like what are you feeling in the car? I'll tell you what you're doing. When you're five minutes away, your eyes are peeled. Is there any kites in the air? Can you see anyone else out? Is there any kites up? Because they're fairly easy to spot. You know, they're they're big and they're colourful. So you're looking from the, you know the point, the farthest point out that you can. Can you see any kites? Is there anyone else up? Are they moving? Are they 12 o'clock? <laughs> and so straight away you're trying to figure out. And it actually happens here in Dublin as well. So there's a couple of WhatsApp groups. Like, for example, I live here and there's another guy who lives close to Dollymount. And so we'll be looking out the window and we'll post, oh, there's a couple of kites up in Borough, you know, there's a couple of kites up in Dolly. So that those who live maybe inland, maybe in Lucan or Leakslip or who are kiters, they'll know to come or not to come because it could be a wasted trip. And then the last thing to show you is this fella. So this is um, the harness. This is the harness. So this is what we wear around our waist when we're, quite when we're kiting. But so very sturdy at the same it's time. It's very, very sturdy. So this is a hard shell harness. The idea being that this area here is quite rigid. doesn't really have much manoeuvrability in it at all. Okay. So the way it works is it goes around your waist like that. Um, sits kind of just above your hips. And it attaches at the front with a strap like that and then that little fella like that cool. and then you just pull it tight and you pull it as tight as you can and um, because all of a sudden all the power is coming down to here when it's all connected in and you're standing there with the kite it's the most amazing comfortable feeling in the world and um, yeah because you feel at one with a power that you can't see you know, you look out there and you can't see it. You can feel it, you can hear it, but you can't see it. And the only way you can truly experience that power is when you're connected to the kite and you pull in on that bar a little bit and all of a sudden you feel the power come on and you go, wow. It's a lovely feeling at the end of the day. Connor Sweetman with Kite Surfer Owen Kernan. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme's podcast is on our website, rte.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rte.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. Seascapes is presented and produced by Fergal Keane.